0: To another episode of the Weber State Weekly Softball Show. We're a member of the Big Sky Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Colby Peterson. On the show today, we have Jessica Euler uh, getting ready. I think semester started this week, right, Jessica? So getting back into the swing of things after a short break between the semesters.
1: Sure did. Had my first class that I was teaching tonight, so kicked the semester off already.
0: Okay. Uh, I did see a thing today, uh, there are kind of some projections for where the Wildcats could potentially end up for a regional. And uh, what I saw was Fayetteville, Arkansas.
1: I oh, know. Uh, I haven't told husband yet that I might have to fly back home again. So I
0: got to say, I, 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 so I had to look up because included in including that group was Arkansas and Texas. And uh, I looked both of the standings. And man, Arkansas is a good team. Oh, My gosh. goodness. They are a good team. So mm-hmm. makes sense that they I would mean, be hosting a regional.
1: It's a good second best choice. But if I go back, I will have to cheer for the Wildcats on this one.
0: I was surprised at how far it was the drive from Nashville. It's like se- uh, seven and a half hours from
1: here. I was like, "Oh, wow!" All right, but I think if I go there, you have to show up, right, Colby? Yeah, that's the that's the rules. <laughs> I,
0: I had heard I'd saw another another projection where they were, you know, potentially should the Wildcats make it through and play in the tournament, uh, they could play in Knoxville. And I can't tell you how excited I was for that because uh, that's two hours. It's a lot closer. Yeah, and I love Knoxville. We just went there a couple months ago, and uh, it was it's a great town. So. We'll see. We'll see what, you know, we're counting our chickens before the hatch a little bit, but uh, I know, I know. Uh, also on the show tonight, we've got the signpost's own Simon Morrison with the shirt. <laughs> Yo, he's got the X96, like the local radio shirt. Simon, how you doing, man? Did you go register for classes the way Jessica told you last week?
2: I did, and I found out how short of a break that actually was. So I had, <laughs> the other day, I went up to campus um, because I thought my classes had started then and um, woke up early, got there, everything like that. And then I uh, found out that the date on it said 627 to 810. I didn't realize that was another block class. So. Second block, yeah. Yeah. And then I had to drive up through that Monday traffic on 89. I don't know if you were part of that, Jessica, but that was brutal. So yeah, or Abby, you might have been in it too. So yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that was, that was crazy pants. But 10 <laughs> points for registering for class, Simon. That's
2: right.
0: Okay. <laughs> All right. Got you. got you what you needed, man. Well, let's talk a little bit about the show this week. So we've got a player interview. we got the final of our seniors. We've got senior catcher Abigail Sagerd here to talk to us a little bit about her journey from Minnesota to Ogden and uh, and talking a little bit about um, this upcoming week uh, because it's a big one folks we've been looking forward to it all week and so we'll be talking to Abby about that. Then uh, conference awards were announced today and uh, I think that some eyebrows were raised and so we will talk about those eyebrow raises and kind of give our takes on some, some of those things and then uh, we're going to talk a little bit of Big Sky Tournament Bracketology. Um, the tournament is double elimination so that makes things very interesting for how things could shake out but it's not just a win and, and you're you're through kind of a thing um you could potentially see a team again and so we'll kind of walk you guys through that bracketology i've got to, i actually had to write it down i wrote it down here because i was like well if this team loses then what happens down here and then this goes over here and so we're going to talk through all that stuff man and kind of give our takes and see what could potentially happen for a, a final uh, on saturday but uh, we want to shout out the the or we want to encourage everybody if you haven't already subscribe to the show Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all great places to find Weaver State Weekly. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter for social media and then patreon.com for uh for to become a patron. We really appreciate our patrons and their support uh, and so thank you all to them for supporting Weaver State Weekly. Also shout out to the sponsor this week, Studio 98. Uh they make really cool awesome rings out of unique and rare woods. So, go check them out, man. Studio98.com, that's studio N I N E and the number 8.com, uh, run by uh, a fellow Wildcat uh, who loves the purple and white just as much as you and I do. So, check their stuff out. Uh, if you ask them nicely, they will make you the flying W ring, which I have on my finger. And so, give them an email, see what, see what it's all about. And uh, maybe we'll see a bunch of those out of Stewart Stadium this summer or this fall. So, uh, shout out to Studio98 and their support of Weaver State Weekly. Uh, now let's move on to our player interview. We want to bring in a senior catcher, Abigail Sager. Abby, thanks so much. We know that you all are busy getting ready for the tournament, which begins in earnest tomorrow morning at wildcat softball field. So thanks for taking some time to chat with us here on Weber state weekly.
3: Yeah. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. We're really excited to chat with you. Um, you are the final of our seniors. We talked to BMO last week. We've talked to Chloe this season and, uh, we've already talked to Arissa as well. And so all of you got to celebrate, uh, a, a, I think a really special senior day uh, because not only did you get the run rule on Sac State, got to hoist the trophy for the regular season championship and uh, also secured next year's hosting rights for the Big Sky tournament. And so a lot going on. Plus, like we said, photos, you guys got to wear your caps and gowns that Saturday. Your graduation had technically been the day before, but they put you guys' numbers out in the outfield. A special day overall, I think.
3: Yeah, definitely. And having having that trophy being hoisted up was definitely the icing on the cake because that's always something that we strive for. So it was it was definitely a great experience. I couldn't ask for anything more for senior day. Yeah, yep. yeah,
0: definitely a, a big one. And uh, su- super proud of you all for having that accomplishment. Luckily, before the rain out happened uh, last weekend and we weren't able to play against Portland, stay up in Portland. But uh, let's go all the way back to the beginning. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your journey because you were originally from Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota, the land of 10,000 lakes. Is that, uh, is
3: that what we call the state? Yes, and a lot of snow. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and a lot of snow. Hockey, obviously a big deal um, up there. But uh, talk to us a little bit about yourself. I mean, you chose to play softball in a cold weather state. You know, more cold weather, I would have to say, than even Utah, which, you know, kind of struggles at times with that. We've seen, we've had our own challenges this season with cold weather and playing out at Wildcats softball field. So talk to us a little bit about that, about how you got into softball in a cold weather state and how you were able to develop because your, your playing season gets shortened much shorter than say your teammates who are from Southern California.
3: Yeah, definitely. Uh, You have to adapt uh, when you're in the cold. So being out here feels like being at home, especially in those late fall, early spring months when it's snowing or we're practicing and it's 40 degrees outside. It definitely feels like home. Um, Yeah, growing up in Minnesota, you have to adapt. You have to learn to play inside. I remember that in our hitting facility that I had in high school, it was all carpet. And we would do ground balls off the carpet, even because we didn't have turf. Um, We were just fortunate enough to have an indoor facility that we had access to. Um, A lot of playing in the dome. Um, essentially it's a big bubble around a football field that protects you from the snow and the wind. And it's, it's like you're playing inside, except you're kind of outside. It's, it's definitely an experience. Um, growing up though, I was really fortunate to have really great club ball coaches that exposed me to that higher level of play. Um, I was fortunate enough that the lady lightning organization had a team in Minnesota And we traveled all over the country, Um, Indiana, California, Florida, um, you name it. We went there to get that exposure and see that higher level of softball um, and see those Southern California teams that play year round. And in order to be the best, you have to play the best. Right. So I was fortunate enough to have that opportunity to grow. Um, And I always knew I wanted to play college ball. So it was kind of a no brainer.
0: Yeah, like you said, I mean. If you, want to, if you want to be the best, you got to play the best. That's definitely a, a motto that I think that Coach Mary Kay Amicone, who won Coach of the Year this year, congrats to Coach Amicone on that. Uh, that's definitely a motto that she lives by, right? I mean, if we look at this non-conference schedule this season, you all have definitely done that. You've gone out and played some really tough teams. Probably, we've argued here on this show this year, the toughest non-conference schedule that this Wildcat team has seen. And uh, you all handled it beautifully, and it's put you in the position that you're in now. So let's talk a little bit about Coach Amicone. I mean, how did you get connected with her? Uh, Minnesota is a faraway place from, from Utah, and we don't see a lot of recruits coming out of Minnesota. So talk to us a little bit about how you got connected with Coach Amicone and her staff, and kind of what was that ultimate decider for you to say, you know what, I'm going to come to Ogden and I'm going to be a Wildcat.
3: So originally, when I was first getting recruited my freshman year of high school, I actually reached out to Weber State um, because I was looking at schools. I knew I wanted to go somewhere with mountains or somewhere that had an outdoorsy kind of campus, similar to Weber. I was still young and I was just reaching out to schools. Um, And then I eventually committed to the University of Illinois, played there for a year, decided it wasn't a great fit for me, so I decided to transfer. Um, And when I transferred, I reached out again to Weber Um, And Coach Amacone was uh, gracious enough to let me come to camp. And I came out and saw how beautiful the campus was. Uh, They have my major supply chain management Mm -hmm. and um, really highly accredited supply chain management program. So an academics is always huge. Um, And we live in a postcard at the end of the day. And being a part of that um, winning team culture, as well as that family culture, um, those were some things that I was looking for if I was going to transfer. And that's why I decided to come here.
0: Yeah, that supply chain program is really something. I mean, the 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 Faustins have really built that program and made it something. I mean, you you folks go out there and win case competitions at Wayne State. Uh, when I was uh, working in the Goddard School, that program you guys won the case competition down at ASU, which was a huge deal. Um, just absolutely uh, just a, a great program and a good fit for you. But uh, I want I want to bring in our our panel here, Jessica and Simon. Questions for Abby Sager?
2: Yeah. Um one thing i gotta know is because like you being on the show right now like with what's coming up tomorrow like it almost makes me nervous because like you know it's it's a big time situation and everything like that um and so i want to know do you have like any pre-game ritual anything you do the night before anything you do the morning of anything like that that kind of gets you ready for the game and hyped up
3: I always get an iced coffee on game day. It could be 30 degrees, it could be 95 degrees. Um, I always get an iced coffee on game day and I get there super early so I can get ready slowly, listen to music and then spend time with my teammates just to kind of get into that team setting and get excited and hyped for the game.
4: Gotcha. Any
2: special place the iced coffee has to come from? It can come from Starbucks or Browns Coffee or anything like
3: that or? Yeah, I can go f- come from anywhere, mainly based on how much time I have that day to go get it. <laughs> yeah,
2: okay. yeah, that's an interesting. One. When did you kind of develop that one?
3: Uh, my freshman year, um, one of the seniors on the team kind of took me under her wing and she was uh, kind enough to take me to games or to our field because I didn't have a car. Um, and so she would always get coffee and before games. And then it kind of I kind of adapted that tradition as well
2: like it i have to try it the next time i have like six do things on an assignment date so yeah that was good advice
1: (laughs) i i love it a lot so this year um has been you've been called off the bench quite a few times in some big moments and um in those times i mean speaking of the pressure of tomorrow in the times that you've been called off the bench in those big games have you dealt with the pressure to produce and help really help your teammates do the same
3: Yeah, at the end of the day, that's my role, right? My role is to be that pinch hitter um, and everybody on the team has a role. And if we all execute that role to the best of our ability, um, then that makes us a better team. So that pressure, it's just like any other at-bat. It's if I had three at-bats or if I had one at-bat. You kind of approach it the same way and kind of have that cool, calm headspace of, I have a job to do, let's go get the job done. Um, Rather than thinking, oh my gosh, I need to get a hit. This is a winning run on second base. I need to hit right now. Um, just kind of collecting and sticking with the process rather than thinking about that outcome.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I mean um, overall it seems to have have worked fairly well. Uh, I want to take a step back and actually talk about the 2021 season where you had a lot of success um, that year, 2021 was kind of a big deal. You hit 333, slug 600, and, and had a perfect fielding percentage. Which, by the way, uh, your defense has been absolutely phenomenal in a Wildcat uniform overall. Uh, I have to go back and look at your career stats, but the only year I think thus far that you haven't had a perfect fielding percentage was uh, that first year, that 2020 short season. Um, and so, talking a little bit about that short season and how you know everything just kind of ends abruptly and like no more softball, like that's it because of the pandemic. And then to come back in 2021 and have that kind of year hit like i said hitting 333 slugging 600 um just kind of having that kind of bounce back after the shortened year talk to us a little bit about how you were able to deal with that and and have some success coming back after the shortened season it it actually seems to have done you better not worse
3: yeah definitely covid was um, hard for all of us I'm sure in many different ways um, and having that season cut short after being my first year in a wildcat uniform was a little bit stressful it was a little bit scary um, but when I got home and we were in quarantine I was like okay what can I do now to prepare for later so you we know, had a lot of time on my hands so I'd go to the field and I'd go hit or I'd go throw I'd practice I'd go to the gym um, and just kind of find ways to spend time but At the end of the day, a season's a season, whether you take two years off, if you take two months off. um, I think that's how I approached it, was just getting excited and doing what's the next best thing, or what's the next right thing that I can do in order to prepare myself and be the best that I can for the team.
1: So last weekend was a bit of a bust. So we've talked about it quite a few times throughout this season about how excited we were for this Portland State matchup and Lots about the stats of the two different teams and how it was a bit of a revenge game from last year. And then the whole dang series got rained out. So how does that affect the team, knowing that you didn't have the matchup that kind of a lot of us have anticipated and you might be seeing them for the first time in the semis this next week?
3: Honestly, it's really exciting. I mean, we haven't seen them, but they haven't seen us. Um, at the same time and every year the team's different the dynamics different and same with portland state Um, they're a great team i give them a lot of credit they've got great pitching but so do we so i'm really excited to see kind of how that plays out i know the team's really excited Um, last weekend was a bit of a bummer but whether or not we play them in the semis or whether or not we play them next weekend i think the outcome is going to be the same
1: and it looks like y'all had some fun in the meantime too, based on the pictures. <laughs> you went yeah, to the zoo. Definitely. Is that right? <laughs> we got to go to the zoo, um, and we just kind of
3: we got a hit um, in the Hillsboro Hops hitting facility, which was amazing. I love minor league baseball, so that was an amazing experience. Um, and all around, the team really bonded last weekend. It was a great opportunity for us to kind of get together and click, um, and kind of get to know each other even more. Um. So that our culture is really great for this upcoming week.
4: Awesome. Yeah. Um, that's one of those things that um, we, you know we're kind of going to go into with the
2: bracketology and everything. Um, but you guys are going to play the winner of Idaho State and Northern Colorado, as far as I kind of have it, right in that in that bracket matchup, the winner of that match um northern colorado is a team that um you know you guys run rule twice um but they got you the first time is this one that um kind of just a little bit nervous about just because they they've done it before they they've beaten you or is it you kind of figured it out on those next two games and ready to roll or is there a certain strategy you're kind of coming in
3: with our strategy for the week is just to kind of play our game Um, We know what we're capable of. We know what we've done to get this to this point. And we're just going to stick with our game plan, stick with our process and do what we do best in order to hopefully have a successful outcome this weekend. Nice.
4: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so, um, Abby, I wanted to ask you, like, like we said, uh, we've talked to a lot of your teammates this season. Everybody's been kind of looking forward to these next four days, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday in Ogden at Wildcat Softball Field, redemption for what happened last year, losing to Portland State in the first game, then losing again to Sac State and being out of the tournament before you knew it. Uh, and so everybody has talked about how focused on these four days, all season focused on these four days. And so I, I wanted to ask kind of for you as a team, how do you prepare now that regular season is done, you know where everything's at, you're finally here. You've been looking forward to these four days and now you're finally here. Does anything change uh, or do you mostly keep things the same? You say the rituals that we've been going through thus far have served us well. Talk to us a little bit about where the team is at going into tomorrow's afternoon matchup against the winner of, like Simon said, Northern Colorado or Idaho state who both have, you know, their, their strengths.
3: Yeah. Going into this week, um, we have a plan to hold each other accountable, obviously hosting. So there's another challenge of, okay, you're not in a hotel. It's not as much of a controlled environment. Um, So we've kind of made some accountability checks as a team in order to make sure we're on track and we're focused towards our goal of winning this weekend. Um, Other than that, everything's the same old, same old, Um, and we are, um, just excited to get out there and we've been working, obviously we've been working for this all season. This is, this is the goal. We came here and now we're just excited to see what happens and show what we can do.
0: Indeed. Simon or Jessica, any, any final questions for Abby Sager before we let her go?
1: I just want to say good luck. I am so excited to come watch y'all tomorrow and, uh, wishing you all the best. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it.
0: Simon, so, be- any final questions for Abby Sager?
2: Nothing for me. I uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with Jessica. I just uh, I'm excited to see you guys. I'll be in the stands, so um, hope we guys see you and we we'll see what we can. We'll see what you guys do. So
3: I'm excited. We definitely are too. Thanks so much, Simon.
0: Well, Abby, want to thank you again for taking a little bit of time. Like we said, we know that uh, you all are kind of trying to keep in your rhythm and kind of get ready for tomorrow. And so appreciate you taking a little bit of time to chat with us here tonight on Weaver State Weekly. want to wish you all the best of luck. We've been rooting for you all season. And uh, we hope that that, that success, the, the reputation, and the success that you all have had thus far, I uh, hope that continues uh, over the next few days. And that uh, just need three wins. Just need three wins.
3: Exactly. Awesome. Thanks so much, guys.
0: We'll see you. Right. I want to thank uh, Abby Sager once again for taking some time to chat with us on Weaver State Weekly. Guys, uh, there's a calm confidence, it seems, with the team going into these next four days. They know what they're capable of. Uh, One thing I like about this team is that they respond. And so um, we'll see what happens. Luckily, like we said, it's a double elimination. So should the Wildcats lose one, they would fall to the bottom of the bracket, but they would still have a chance at redemption. Um, and this team seems to do a pretty good job of bouncing back. Like you mentioned, Simon, the one conference loss this year to Northern Colorado resulted in back-to-back rule run games. Um, they just absolutely blasted the bears after, you know, having a, a bad offensive day in that first game. So I like the grit of this team. Um, it seems like they are focused. Uh, we've, they've all talked about this week. And so here we are.
1: Yeah, definitely. I thought it was cool, too, her perspective about, you know, while the series was rained out, I think that is a really good kind of few-day retreat to relax and bond as a team coming into the conference championship here. So that'll be fun to watch.
2: Right. That and the subtle irony that um, a Wildcat actually owns Portland. So I think it's kind of fun. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It's true. (laughs) Dame is the guy. Dame is the guy
0: uh okay let's talk a little bit now let's switch some gears and let's talk a little bit about conference awards because they came out at three o'clock today and uh like i said at the top eyebrows were raised i think i think folks were pretty uh maybe surprised at some of the the way things shook out um and so uh the way i've got this set up here i wanted to start with um um let's start with arissa henderson she was named newcomer of the year uh, because this is her lone season in a Wildcat uniform. She's a, she's a fifth-year, technically, transfer to Weaver State. Uh, this will be her lone season with Weaver State, winning newcomer of the year. It seems like a lot of Wildcats seem to get that award. Isaiah Brown's won it. Kobe McEwen just won it. Now, Arissa Henderson has won it. All, all fifth-year transfers into Weaver State having great impact um, on the field or on the court. And so um, I wanted to ask you guys, newcomer of the year? Cool or kind of whack? What do you think, Arissa Henderson?
2: I, um, I think this one's a little bit tougher. I think obviously deserved, right? Newcomer of the year. Um, sure. as far as what she, what she did on that one, um, not having picture of the year on there. Um, I think like one of those things is, you know, we, we've talked about it so many times on the show that she, um. The, the biggest draw that she had from winning that award was the fact that she had to share the plate with two other phenomenal pitchers. And that kind of took away from her stats and everything like that. Um, I say newcomer of the year is great. Um, but uh, if she had played more innings and played a little bit more and had, had a squad that would have gotten her um, a little more playing time, I think she would have run away with that pitcher of the year award. No question. So. Yeah. I don't know. What,
0: what are your th- thoughts on this one, Jessica,
1: I think Arissa is amazing. I would like to reserve all of my feelings for when we get down to Player of the Year. So congratulations to Arissa. Fine. Whatever newcomer of the year. I have a fuller argument for why she should be Player of the Year,
0: <laughs> yeah, totally fair, right? And, uh, you know, in in my view, this is sort of uh, the bare minimum that she deserved from um mm-hmm. from her performance this season. I mean, she has been undoubtedly arguably, One of the best, if not the best pitcher in the conference, but that extends beyond her ability to not just throw the ball, but also hit the ball. She has, you know, her slug percentage, I think at one point, every ninth at bat was pretty much a home run. Um, Name another pitcher in the conference that's doing that. Maybe Lexi Webb, maybe for Sac State, but her ERA is not close to what Arissa was. is right now and so um i think that this is sort of the floor the bare minimum that she could have been offered uh i I hear what you're saying jessica where she easily could have been um a player of the year candidate or or pitcher of the year candidate uh either of those and so i mean cool i guess kind of whack is where i have it but um the bare minimum i think for Arissa henderson and the talent that she's brought um, but let's talk a little bit about that pitcher of the year award because I got people in my Twitter mentions right now who uh who are disagreeing with me. Let's we'll say it that way. Uh, Sac States Marissa Bertuccio wins pitcher of the year. Um, I'll say this: my eyebrows were raised. Um, I was surprised because I felt that this was a race that was between Arissa Henderson and Olivia Gray. And that was it, right? I did not think that Marissa Bertuccio, especially from what we saw of her in Ogden when they faced the Wildcats, she was chased early in both of her outings in Ogden. I didn't see her as Pitcher of the Year material. It really felt like, really, this is between Olivia Gray and Arissa Henderson. And here we are standing on Tuesday night with you know the award being handed to Marissa Bertuccio. Thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I feel super similar. I thought it was down to Arissa and Olivia. I mean, if I were doing awards, I would have put Arissa in Player of the Year. I would put Olivia in Pitcher of the Year. It feels like we made a few more political choices this year to spread the love. Um, I yeah. and you know that might not be what it is, but we we've dominated. And I think when you look at the second place pitcher, it's absolutely Olivia Gray. When we saw Marissa Bertuccio here, it just I. I would not have put her up for pitcher of the year. That's not to say she's not an incredible person and she does a great job pitching. I just think we had two pitchers who were absolutely better than her. Um, congratulations to her, of course. I just feel like we might have overlooked <laughs> Olivia and Arissa, certainly.
2: Fair. Simon, what are your thoughts there? No, I think it's I think it's interesting just because like um you know i i did see this as a two horse race i really did and i i think we talked about it a few times um about how this was olivia gray and arissa henderson all the way um i think marissa uh she's a great pitcher um i don't, I, I don't think anyone doubts that or that you know i i'm fine with her even being in the race for that like if you want to say this is a three horse race instead and and she was in it i would have gone for that for sure um but the problem is like i think you know you're looking at a similar ERA on all of them um, and a great record from her and everything like that. Um, you know, you're also looking at 147 hits, which is more than anybody else in the top five, actually more than anybody else in the top 10 until you get down to uh, Dana Butterfield at 10, actually who has 170. Um, but uh, I think
0: well, I was going to say you know, Megan, Megan Golden has one 168.
2: She's she's. Oh, wow. I, Totally slipped past that one. Okay, yeah, but top five, no. still. yeah. Um, I think it's hard when you when you get into that that lane of like you know you have to spread the love a little bit. But this kind of feels like what's happening. But you know, playoffs are for big time players, everything like that. And so if she can if she can prove that she's that big time player in the playoffs, I'll I'll gladly say yeah, rightfully deserved. So yeah,
0: um, yeah, because my, my thoughts are kind of similar to what you all have laid out here. I mean. I guess nothing nothing away from Marissa Bertuccio. Congratulations to her. She did pitch far and away the most innings in the conference at 178.1, giving up 147 hits. Uh, she gave up more bombs than anybody uh, in the top, in that three horse race. Like Arissa Henderson only gave up four. Olivia Gray only gave up 10. Marissa Bertuccio gives up 13 home runs. And so, you know, I just, as we, as we move down the line, we can say, well, what about this? And what about this? And so it's like, I think that the thing that worked in her favor and probably the reason that she wins this award is that win total. She's 19 wins, 9 losses. Now, I personally don't agree with pitcher wins and losses. I think it's a garbage statistic based solely upon run support. Yes, you can be a phenomenal hitter or a phenomenal pitcher, but um, I'm an avid Brewers fan. And so far, Corbin Burns has a losing record uh, but a you know sub two two ERA right, and so it's just like pitching pitching wins and losses mean nothing without run support. Uh, another thing I think is that was working in her favor is that with that 178 innings pitched, her her ERA was close to just slightly above Arista Henderson and Olivia Gray, and I think that with that delta, voters probably looked at that and said, well. Over over time, you know, she's it. But when I look at games started, she only started seven more games than Arissa Henderson. She only started three more games than Olivia Gray. So while she may have pitched more innings, was brought in in maybe more mid inning situations, uh, mid game situations to get out of jams or whatever. Um, I I gotta I gotta think that the innings pitched and the win total. And having a similar ERA are probably the things where people said, okay. And plus like you all have talked about here, I think the conference, you know, and voters kind of spread the love around a little bit. Last year's last year's awards were very Wildcat heavy. Very Wildcat heavy, right? Mariah Ramirez winning pitcher of the year. Lauren Ho, winning player of the year. I mean, Rush um, no, and one freshman of the year. Uh, yeah. you know,
2: Mary you know, Case still one coach of the year last they year. They won too.
0: coach of the year, yeah. Yep. And so, you know, this year things have been kind of spread out a little bit more. So I gotta wonder if, you know, all of that. But you also made a good point. The fact that it was nice to have all of those awards last year, but what did we miss out on?
1: Mm-hmm. We missed out
0: on the one thing that we cared about, which was the conference championship in the tournament. Of course, the Wildcats won the regular season title, and uh, you know, you can argue that that's the real title, but I think a lot of people's eyes know the real title is you got to win the tournament. You got to win these four days in Ogden. So here we are. So congrats to Mercer Pertuccio. She's player, a uh, pitcher of the year surprised me. I don't necessarily agree with it, but it is what it is. Uh, let's move on now and talk about a uh, conference player of the year was UM's Megan McGrath. And I think that there's a little bit more surprise with this pick. Uh, Megan McGrath, who did have a good season. I mean, overall as a hitter, you know, she was number two in the conference with a 386 average. You know, just slightly above Faith Ho, who's third third at 371, uh, her OPS at 1206. Um, I got to think that those two things are probably the thing that won her this award. But um, were you all surprised to see this one?
4: Wasn't so was, were we
1: just talking about a two horse race for the prior one? This was like Kentucky Derby all over again. This is sure. Rich Strike coming in this from the back. Like, yeah. This is Rich Strike right sixth here. Sixth place team player of the year. Heavens, never would have guessed it.
2: That's what I kind of thought too. Like I was going by sixth place team. You know how much how much does that that work out in her favor? But I do think there is something to speak about statistically here with her. Um, the fact that she is number two in the conference in home runs, and then number two in the conference in batting average, and then number one in OPS, everything like that. I do think that that's pretty impressive, right there. At the same time, it is that six seed that kind of brings this one down. And that, like, like if there was a wildcat or if there was someone from Portland State or even Sac State that had those stats, I think we all have been like, okay, yeah, definitely, I, I totally get it. Um, but it's hard to say that someone from Montana, six place team, should should give that stat, that um, award right there.
1: Yeah. And just going with what you said, I wouldn't have been surprised by Lexi Webb. Y- yep. You talk about just a well-rounded player who's got 16 home runs herself and a relatively decent p- pitching average or Arissa here, you know, one of the, you know, the top pitcher I would argue and yes. eight home runs herself. Just, you know, overall, as, as players, I think you just don't see a whole heck of a lot of players that are great at bat and pitching, right? And so, given that we have two phenomenal folks this year, I probably would have gone that way. I think you make some good points, um, Simon, about how Megan did overall. But I, I was shocked.
0: Yeah, because I think that we, we all agree that, you know, offensively, she was been, she's been very good. And I think probably the thing that wins her that is the slug percentage because mm-hmm. her number is very similar to Chloe, uh, not Chloe, but uh, Faith Ho's. We're right there next to her. Faith's got her beaten RBIs. Faith's got her beaten runs. You know, Faith's got, you know, a slightly higher strikeout rate. Um, but I, 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 then I look on the other side of the ball and I say, where is, where is Megan McGrath? She is 34th in defense, right? Mm-hmm. Her field percentage is 933. And so if we're talking about a complete player, uh, let me, let me, you know, kind of like look back up here and like, where, where is Faith Hope in this? Lauren is 10th in the conference. Um, and I should have done this you know, Faith is 18th in the conference with her fielding percentage at 966. And so it feels like conference player of the year, very much focused on offense, um, mm-hmm. which Megan McGrath has in spades. Uh, we've talked about the, you know, the fact that, you know, Simon brought it up second in the conference in home runs with 15. Her on-base percentage, 463, is, from what I can see, top, well, pretty dang close. Uh, Lewa Day for Sac State, who you know, we talked about a couple of weeks ago, and her, her offensive prowess at the plate, that potent Sac State offense, um, and being a big part of that. But um, I think I agree with you, Simon, that overall, sixth-place team, yes, uh, Megan McGrath, a very good player offensively, You know, slugging the ball, doesn't strike out a lot, but sixth-place team. Um, I wonder if that was, um, it sounds like that wasn't a factor at all in, in voters decisions. Okay. Um, a couple other ones I wanted to note here before we move on four Wildcats named to the first team, all conference team. That's Faith Hope, Chloe Camarero, Arissa Henderson, and Mika Bombs. Mika Chong getting in as a first teamer, um, in that, uh, non-pitcher utility spot. Were you guys surprised to see her name there?
1: Oh, I was so excited. I think that's just Awesome.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think arguably one of the best pinch hitters in the conference this season. She, mm-hmm. she came in and just, um, you know, I think she didn't strike out until that Sac State series. She didn't strike out until that series. That's deep into yeah. the season to not have a strikeout. And so I think she had two um, that weekend. And so, yeah, I mean, good, good for Mika Bombs to kind of see it because she really has done a good job coming off the bench. Sort of like what Abby Sager just talked about. It's my role. I'm going to come in. I'm going to hit. And a lot of times, she put it over the fence.
2: Even at this young age, you know what I mean, just a freshman right now, it is hard to say that there are too many players with a bigger clutch factor than what she has. I mean, that's what she showed us the first, the first time she was on the bat. That's the first thing she showed us is how clutch of a hitter she is. And um, I think that's one of the things like I love seeing her on this team. I honestly was – I wanted to see a repeat of suck freshman of the year and I think she could have gotten it, but yeah, it, that was a tough match between her and Haley Rainey. So that was, that was fun to watch. Mm-hmm. I think the thing
0: that was working against her is that she didn't get a lot of time playing um, defensively. Yeah. And so I think that's probably the thing that was working against her because Haley Rainey ends up winning uh, freshman of the year, you know, wholly justified. Haley Rainey has been a very good pitcher for yeah. uh, the Bengals. Um, even though she did struggle against the Wildcats, she's had some weird games. I um, mean, she still came in fifth in the conference, and, and with a 3.54 ERA. I mean, in 142 innings pitched, uh, and so it's just if that's more than that's more than Mo Ramirez, that's more than Arissa Henderson. So I, I look at that and say, yeah, that's probably the thing that holds Mika back from being freshman of the year. Whereas like Mia Rushton, last season when she won it, she was playing every day in center field, right? And and you know, it was a great leadoff hitter. She was hitting like 360 or something like that, and so. um I totally understand why Haley Rainey would, would warrant freshman of the year, but uh, Mika bombs, I think uh surprising folks um, with that first team selection. Yeah. Uh, also wanted to note that seven other the Wildcats got named to second team, all conference and honorable mention. Um, I could go through the list. I think uh, McKelm Houston got in there. Mia Russian was in there. Uh, Lauren Ho was second team at catcher. Mo, Mo Ramirez was second team at pitcher. um, I was kind of surprised not to see, uh, not to see Mandy Sink get a, an opportunity. She did not make a, a, an honorable mention, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was, I was stunned by that because you know, she is currently seventh in the conference at, with a 384 ERA. Um, maybe only 62 innings pitched. Maybe they look at that and say, well, she didn't really pitch enough because almost everybody else ahead of her was named. Even Lexi Webb was named, who sits behind her, uh, you know, a a good bit behind her with a four Oh six ERA. So yeah. Final thoughts on conference awards before we move on folks.
2: I think, I think I'm, I'm thinking the same thing with, um, with Mandy sink. Um, it's tough because, um, you know, she was, she was third in a, in a series of three phenomenal pitchers. And, um, but, like, if we're going, again, you know, we, we talked about win-loss records, a little bit tricky to judge and everything like that, but phenomenal win-loss record, obviously, right there. Um, great ERA, everything like that. I think, I think that is one thing where I probably would put her above, because um, I think we had uh, Marina Ramirez, right, on that uh, utility pitcher list. Or, um, no, it was Maria Rodriguez. Sorry about that. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's one thing where I probably would have put her above a few pitchers on that list and just kind of had her on that, on that third team or that honorable mentions list. Um, because she, I think she played a great, played a great season. It was one of those things, like we said, that took away from Orissa and took away from Mo with the season. You got three aces. It's really hard to be that standout player between those three. So.
0: Yeah. Um, I just, I want to make sure that I, you know, I, I sort of threw out some names and now I feel bad. I feel like I really need to kind of, give everybody else their due. And so we mentioned Lauren Ho, catcher, uh, second, con- second team all-conference, Mikhail Houston at first base, um, Casey Whiting in the, in, in, in the outfield, I don't know if right field, Mo Ramirez as pitcher, second team all-conference. Honorable mentions going to Michaela Donahue at shortstop, Emily Rule at third base, Mia Rushton, of course, in center field. And then, uh, and that was that was it. Those were all of our Wildcats. So yeah, like I said, I was surprised, you know, because looking looking at pitcher Megan Golden, um, Mailey Newman, she got in uh, as uh, as an honorable mention. And I go back and I look at it and I go, Meily Newman. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. That. It's like "Maley Newman. Where's her ER? That's, she's wow. Am I missing something here? What what,
4: what
0: am I missing?
4: right it, it's really tough to justify um I don't,
0: I don't see it right she's not even top 20 in era like right how?
4: so spread th- the love. that's what
0: happened i think that's what happened just spread spread the love right love. Yeah. so all right let's uh let's talk now uh like we said Conference awards are a thing. Um, They're nice, but they're not the thing that I think that this wildcat team is focused on getting. Um, This this team is focused on getting through, getting three wins over the next few days. Uh, If they can get three wins, they can hoist the trophy and they get to be conference champions. They will likely make it regional, and uh, we'll see if we're going someplace interesting. Sounds like Jessica.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. So. Fandville.
0: Yeah. Fandville. Uh, well, I just
1: wondered we'll... about projection. Cause I saw the same one. I'm like, is that based on RPI or is that based on us winning out the comp? Which one are we going with? Anyway, I'll wait. I'll be patient.
0: Very yeah, we'll just sorry. have to see how things shake out. But um, let's talk a little bit about the bracket um, because it's an interesting one. And I, Oh, let's talk about this and and I'll put, I'll put the bracket up on the screen here in just a bit. But, um, Wildcats obviously take the top seed winning the conference championship for the regular season makes them the number one seed. Um, unfortunate that they didn't get to play against Portland state. Um, right now, you know, sitting very close to the, the school record in wins for the season. Um, but still potentially an opportunity should they win the conference championship to tie that mark. And then what happens in the NCAA tournament happens in the NCAA tournament. But, um, Right now, the Wildcats are set to face the winner of Idaho State and Northern Colorado. They will play the first game, and then the Wildcats will then go on to to play them later in the afternoon at 2.30 tomorrow. So, between ISU, who the Wildcats did sweep, but I think are more of a question mark, they can be very good. Haley Rainey. Has you know maintained her composure as a freshman pitcher with at fifth in the conference, like we just said, winning freshman of the year or Northern Colorado, a team that did get the best of you in the first game of that series before getting run ruled in back to back games out in Greeley. Um, the Wildcats will face the winner. One of them will will see Weber State. Which would you like to see,
4: Idaho State?
2: There you go. Yeah. Yeah, um that that is a tough one. Why, why are you saying Idaho State just because I? Because now you've convinced me a few times on the show that I, I'm agreeing with you on on almost every point now. So I just I just want to hear that.
1: <laughs> I feel good that we swept them. I feel good going up against a freshman pitcher in a high pressure situation. um I think those two pieces I I, I think are good. I don't want us to get in our heads. Um, in any form or fashion because of the one person who beat us. So I just think while we look great, the second two games against them, my preference is Idaho state.
2: Uh, okay. Yeah. I think I'm probably going it, to, it's tough because, you know, neither of these teams are teams to sleep on necessarily. Um, oh, okay. They're very scrappy and uh, they can, they can pull out a win, um, you know, and uh but I do, I do think there is some there's validity to that point of you know you've got a lot of really good freshmen, um, but freshmen are not extremely well equipped for the playoffs like right off the get go. It, it takes a very rare freshman to be able to lead a team um, through through that schedule like that. Um, and so I would like to see a team that has a little bit less. You know, Star Paul in the veteran years. Um, and so I, I agree with Jessica on this one. Yes. There we go. <laughs> I feel like we're
0: doing
4: well. We're
0: <laughs> no, exactly. no, doing too bad. Yeah. Um, I'm a little bit torn because I hear what both of you are saying here, right? Where it's like, well, I wouldn't mind um, facing a, a pitcher like Haley Rainey, who there's, I don't know, it's tough because. I I don't think they can pitch her back to back. I think that what's going to happen is they're both going to throw their best shots um, at one another. So I think that we're going to see Haley Rainey pitch earlier in the day. And I don't think they'll be able to pitch her in the second day. And so if that's the case, I think either one of these teams are going to, I mean, we've talked about how the Wildcats are very lucky in that they have the ability to, go with a Mo Ramirez instead of an Arissa Henderson or Mandy Sink, who we just talked about who probably should have gotten some all conference love, but didn't this year. Um, the Wildcats are blessed to be in that position. Um, other teams aren't so lucky. And so I look at Haley Rainey, uh, they, the, I will say that Idaho State maybe has has the edge because yes, we've talked about Haley, Haley Rainey, but they also have Emma McMurray, who has a four two three ERA. Like she doesn't suck, right? She pitched in that second game uh, that afternoon against the Wildcats up in Pocatello, and um, I think she she did okay. But obviously, the Wildcats ended up pulling it out and, and getting you know the double dub on on the Friday, and so I just. If I'm more nervous, I would have to say that I'm more nervous about Idaho State than I probably am about Northern Colorado because I just don't think Northern Colorado is deep enough. Should they find a way to beat Idaho State, um, then they would have to turn around and play Weber State that afternoon. You know, they're playing at nine thirty in the morning tomorrow. They'd have to turn around and play at 2 30 in the afternoon. Um, I don't know, man. Um, so if'm I'm, if I'm picking a team, it's probably Northern Colorado. Uh, I'd like to see them over Idaho State uh, because I feel like Idaho State, they've just got a little extra and um, they, they they could potentially have more of a chance to beat the Wildcats and we want to make sure that that doesn't happen again uh, like it did last year where Portland State made it through that first game and ended up you know, facing the Wildcats in that second game and um, got the best of them. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, it's definitely true. I think like that's one thing with Northern Colorado too is um, they didn't one of those teams that isn't as strong defensively either. And so, you know, if you can crack that defense, which they did those last two games, they really did. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it, it's tough to gauge. I, I'm going to go with Jessica because of what happened the last time I disagreed with Jessica. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know. Well, now I'm going to be interested to see because I think you make a great point, Colby, but I think there might just be enough time that we might see him pull that starting pitcher back in the latter half. Just, I'm going to be fascinated to see how it turns out tomorrow. It's going to be exciting. Yeah. yeah
0: Cause I believe that's what Portland state did last year, right? They mm-hmm. pitched gray twice in the same day and yeah. it worked.
1: Yeah. You
0: know, you know, they beat the number one seed, and they ended up getting to go on and eventually becoming conference champions.
1: So, mm-hmm.
0: I mean, you kind of save your, you save your peeps for this moment, but um, I've got the bracket here. If you folks want to take a look at it, Uh, This is what we're talking about here. Um, So right there, 9.30 in the morning, game one, May 11th. That's tomorrow. Northern Colorado takes on Idaho State. And the winner of that game faces Weber State at 2.30 in the afternoon. Um, But now let's talk a little bit about this this matchup below. Portland State, because they did not get a chance to play, they ended up falling to the three seed, giving the two seed to Sac State. So now they're going to have to pitch in that first game against Montana. Now, Montana, like we said, is the sixth seed in this tournament. They are technically the bottom. Um, SUU doesn't get to play in the conference tournament. You know, the, the cut is at six. There are only seven teams in the Big Sky that play softball right now. And so um, Montana kind of, you know, limping into the playoffs here, facing likely Olivia Gray, who is going to be on a week's rest and ready to go. Uh, I mean, I, I, I know how I think it's going to end up. How do you all think it's going to end up?
1: The same way you do. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I think that Portland State pitches Olivia Gray that, I mean, in spite of Megan McGrath's, you know, ability to hit the ball, she's just one person in in a nine-person lineup. And I just don't think that they find the offense to beat Portland State, who is also a very good defensive team. We talked about that last week. Mm -hmm. And so I I think I see Portland State being the team that gets through and then moves on to face Sac State, which is another really interesting matchup. Oh, yeah. That one's going to be a fun one. Because Sac State did get the best of Portland State the last time those two those two played.
1: Definitely. Yeah. I think
2: there's something to be said about Montana State's offense is actually um it's fairly high powered. Um what what they're able to put out. Just put just Montana. Oh <laughs> no, yeah, no. just Montana, not Montana State. did yeah. I say Montana State yeah. Yeah. yeah? Oh my gosh. I, I can't
0: believe that I'm uh, I'm I'm defending the Grizz's honor, but here I am.
2: Well, right. <laughs> this is what happens when you make me go to back-to-back semesters, okay? Um, but yeah. yeah. No, definitely. I think like um, that is one thing to look at is Olivia Gray is a phenomenal pitcher. Can she lock this team down? Of course. You know, she can lock any team down. Anybody. Um, but yeah, it, six seed versus three seed, you know, obviously I, I'm giving this match to Portland State, but I'm not shocked if Montana pulls out
1: something, so. Well, and what I was just thinking is, I do think Portland State wins. I think it's such an uneven matchup, especially, you know, Portland State being two before this last weekend, that I just feel like Portland State comes out on top. I do think it's interesting, though, um, because I was like, oh, are they going to run rule? And I I don't know, (laughs) because if they run rule, that saves you know, time and energy for Olivia later in the day. And I, I don't think they get the run rule, but I do think they win the game.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think so either, because in spite of that, they, they do have a great defense. Portland State has a very fantastic defense. It's one of the reasons why I think Olivia Gray's ERA is so low, because if you look at some of the numbers, I mean, Gray hits a lot of players by pitch. Her HBP is pretty high um, at 16 players. Um, mm-hmm. that, that's, I think that leads the conference in the top in the top 20. And so, oh, she's tied with, oh no, that's 15. Um, And that is uh, Megan Golden. And so, but the thing that they have going for them is that overall, that defense is really, really good. They are third in the conference. And so I think that that helps gray out a bunch because she might, uh, I think I also looked and saw that her walk numbers are a little bit high as well, but she's able to get out of those situations because she's able to say, okay, well, they're going to get on base, but that's, oh, that's as far as it's going to go, right? So uh, that, I want to talk then about what happens because we got to kind of move this along here. But because this is kind of leading up to, okay, then Sac State will have to play Portland State if it's, if it's going to happen the way we think it's going to happen. Last time these two teams faced each other, didn't go so well for Portland State, right? And I think they only won one of the three games. And so... We talked about the Sac State offense. It is very potent. I mean, there's a lot of power in that lineup. You know, Leigh wade Alexi Webb. I mean, there's there's a lot going on there, folks. I, they can hit the ball. There were a couple of, you know, really nerve-wracking moments when they came to Ogden where they had some folks on base and they had some hitters at the plate. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Wildcats were able to get out with strikeouts. Um, so, huge. But the, the the winner of that game would potentially face the winner of Weber and whoever comes out of that first game. I obviously have Weber in my bracket moving on to the semifinals. Um, I hope that that's the case. I hope that we don't see a repeat of last year. And so who do you have making it out of that Sac State PSU matchup the way we think it's going to happen?
2: It's it's tough because I think, I think that's one thing is that, um, you know, you can only pitch Olivia gray so much. Um, and the thing is, I don't know if a pitcher like frost is going to be able to lock down that potent offense. Um, we, we kind of talked about it um, earlier about how you almost have to pitch against Sac state mistake free. You can't really, if you give them one thing, they will send it over the fence. Um, and they've proved that time and time again this year. And um I think that's one thing where if I'm in a one-game setting against Sac State, that's actually probably the team that I'm most scared to play against in a one-game setting um, just because of what they're able to do as far as the high-scoring offense is concerned.
0: Yeah. No, that's fair. So you think Sac State comes out on top?
2: I do. I think Sac State comes out on top. I'm not going to – I think that, you know, it's – I'm not shocked if either team comes out, but I will put Sac State there in. Solely because I think that they have a team that's better equipped for the playoffs.
1: I'm gonna agree with you, but then I'm trying to see what that means for the rest of the bracket. Yeah.
4: <laughs> so,
0: so that's how I've got it here. Um, let's pull the bracket back up. And yep. so, so if that's the case, Portland State would move on here, and uh, you know, the game two winner in game four would face Sac State. Uh, the way I have it here, yes, Sac State would move on. Uh, to face Weber State in Game 7. Um, that game will be on, uh, I believe, the next
4: day. So that game, yeah, it will be tomorrow, mm-hmm. on Thursday, May 12th. At sorry,
0: you got really quiet on. Yeah, it's like you ran away from us. Yeah, sorry, I had to move away from the mic because I'm just trying to see this up on the screen. I think it says 3 p.m. Is that what you all see?
1: Uh, game 7? Yeah. 5 p.m. 5 p.m. For th- and, and,
0: that's, and that's a big game, right? Because the semifinal game, Weber State, redemption for Sac State, who got swept. They came in with a lot of energy, really loud, Friday and Saturday, and then they got run-ruled on Saturday. They remember, folks. And yep. uh, they're the ones that knocked the Wildcats out of the conference tournament last year after the Wildcats got knocked down to the bottom of this bracket. Um if that happens, I mean, obviously, I want to see the Wildcats win, but that's a that's a very intriguing matchup. Uh, Wildcats mm-hmm. are going to have to bring their A game to keep continue to keep that Sac State offense down because really, Sac State had one good inning, I think, that entire weekend. Would love to see more of that.
4: Oh, no, absolutely! Yeah, I think like that's one of the things is you know you
2: have both Sac State and you have Portland State that are also you know if they get down to that double double elimination bracket, I think you're looking at some serious threats right there. Um, And so it's hard to it's going to be tricky to see you know if it could be like a sack state in the you know semifinal, and then right there portland state in the final right there that is a tough matchup for the wildcats and that's a tough schedule um so that's one of the things they have to look at is i think like one of those teams that's gonna thrive a little bit more than maybe we we're anticipating is i think montana has a little bit of an like i think you could do a little bit in that um in that second bracket just because they don't have like you know, one ace pitcher, right? They they, they don't, um, I think they have Dana Butterfield and that's, that's pretty much where they're, they're line at. But their pitchers are pretty similar as far as where they come after that. Um, and so I think you've got a team that's equipped for a long haul. So I think they can lose that first game and play a few in that bottom bracket right there. Um, at the same time, you know, when Portland State if Portland State goes down to that bottom bracket, or Sacramento State does, you know you're looking at this team It's all of a like, okay, but well, this is business mode right now, and um, hard hard to compete up against that. They're going to send in Olivia Gray, they're going to send in Marissa Bertuccio, they're going to pull out all the works just to stay alive in that one. So it'll be interesting to see that because I think this double elimination bracket it does lead to um, just problematic matchups no matter who gets onto that in that championship match
1: yeah I think it'll be interesting, especially getting down in that bottom bracket. You've got a double header on the thirteenth yeah. on friday, and I, I just think that's that's gonna be rough either yeah. way and so I, I think it's gonna be really interesting uh to see what happens and you know if i were yeah i'd want to, I'd rather lose game seven than game four if I were you know side <laughs> yes. state so yeah
0: and so i um I agree that the bottom of the the bracket starts to get messy. uh, Mm -hmm. If if the things that I think are going to happen are going to happen, we have some really interesting matchups. And so I wanted to ask you all, should should things go the way that we hope and the Wildcats find themselves in the championship game after winning two um, on Wednesday and Thursday? um, That would put them in the championship game on Saturday um, and then everything has to shake out on Friday who do you see coming out of the bottom of the bracket on Friday to then face the Wildcats potentially, if that's what happens um, to face the Wildcats on the 14th at noon in the championship game.
1: Sac state, probably assuming that they beat Portland state and lose to us. I'd vote Sac- we see Sac state again.
4: I um, as tough. Yeah,
2: I have to like keep looking at it a little bit. <laughs> right, um, We need
1: a crayon and some yeah, paper. This is why I wrote it
2: down, right? <laughs> <I> was, <laughs> I was like and I right there. Yeah, I honestly I probably see because I see Sac State probably advancing to that semifinal with us right there. Um, as far as who I have advancing to the end of that that bottom bracket um that'd be important state is is right there i i, I don't think there's a single team that's probably going to lose in the, that we have losing in the first round um that can handle um a team of that caliber extremely well you know we've seen them struggle i think it was against idaho state right they were having a little bit of trouble against them um and that put them down a little bit in the rankings um but at the same time it's playoff ball um and it's it's definitely one of those things where um, I think they have the, the tools to step it up in that situation just because they've done it before. They did it last time. And um, that's, the, that's the worst team to face is a team with experience. So, yeah.
0: The one thing I will yeah. say is I think that they, I think they pitched Gray through the whole playoffs.
2: Last they probably
4: year. will. Yeah. <laughs> they
0: and probably. I, I don't think they can do that this year because mm-hmm. like, I, I, can't, I can't remember how the bracket looked last year, but I think that they might have been a two seed. And if, the, if that was the case, then they didn't have to pitch in the first round. No, they would have had to pitch in the first round because then they faced Weber at one. So yeah. they pitched one, two, three, four games. But if that's what happens, PSU is going to have to pitch one, two, three, four, potentially five games. Yeah. Can they? Can they ask you know Olivia Gray to pitch four games in two days and then have enough in in the tank to pitch um, to pitch through it all? Oh, actually, no. She'd have to pitch one, two three, four, five, six games to get to a championship. Should they lose to Sac state the way we think?
1: Yeah. And that's, I I'd rather do that just because I think she gets wiped in the double header, right? I'm more worried if Portland state beats Sac state, we beat them, but then we have to face them again with some rest and revenge in between. So I'd rather Sac state get out. Um, and you know, like likely face them again, just because of the series of games that Olivia would have to pitch. I'm more scared if uh, Portland gets out tomorrow. Yeah, i uh more scared sounded weird, but scareder isn't a word, so it's more scared, right, more
4: Simon scared.
2: <laughs> yeah, more scared. Um, but yeah, I think that that's one thing to bring up, especially is can they can they pitch Olivia Gray five games? I think do I think they have to? Um it, it's hard it's hard. Um, you know, because at the same time, like not taking away from frost, but you know, you have 13 home runs against her, which is fairly, you know, it's not a terrible number. Like not not terrible. Um, but it is it is one of those things that's a point of concern, is um just who has who has a higher chance of giving up a big score. Um, and I think that, you know, you, you you run into problems when you start to play with that probability a little bit, because ERA, you can look at ERA all you want in those certain scenarios, but especially when it comes to one game, um, I look at home runs, I look at the slug percentage against them. And that that's what I'm afraid of is if you know, you have Frost coming in and I think she can maybe handle a game, maybe give Olivia that rest that she needs. And then they're dangerous after that. Um, but at, at the most, she probably gets one game's rest on
4: it. Um, I don't think they pitch Frost two games.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the way that I wrote this out, I think we see sack coming out of the bottom of the bracket. If it, if it plays out the way that we hope and that the Wildcats do find themselves in the championship game on Saturday. And so they would have to face the Wildcats again. That would put Sack in a situation where they'd have to beat Weber twice in the Mm -hmm. same day. Um, uh, That's why I'm really hoping that the Wildcats can get two quick dubs on Wednesday and Thursday and find themselves in the championship game Saturday because obviously we like this Wildcat team's chances to be one away and should they drop the first they would need to come back for the second. I also Mm -hmm. like the matchup against Marissa Bertuccio, folks. Like I like it because I know that they're going to try and pitch her and the Wildcats have seemed to have some success against her. Um, she was chased, you know, in four or less in those two matchups that we did see her in Ogden. Um, and then they had to bring in, you know, Lexi Webb or somebody else uh, in relief. And so I just, I like the matchup particular for the Wildcats. Um, we'll just have to kind of see if the numbers that we've seen against will hold uh, because if they do, uh, the Wildcats have a, a distinct advantage because they were able to get a lot of balls through the infield. Um, they were able to, you know, hit, hit a couple of bombs over the fence. And so long as the pitching can, you know, we see, you know, Arissa Henderson doing what she does. You know, Vintage Mariah Ramirez, who just comes in, shuts them down, shut him out. The last time she saw him. Um, if we if we see that happening, I mean, we're we're going to the NCAA tournament, folks. Uh, but yeah. there's a lot of softball to be played between that time. In that semifinal game, and even maybe potentially a final game. So we'll see what happens. So this is a little bit kind of a long episode, but I mean, a lot to talk about there with that bracketology. So, um, like we said, conference tournaments this week. So it starts tomorrow, May 11th. Uh, You're probably, if you're getting this in your podcast feed, you'll be getting this in the morning. Um, So starts early 930 like we said but uh, Wildcats will face the winner of Idaho State or Northern Colorado at 2 30 p.m. Wildcats softball field that game will be on ESPN plus if you're like me and not able to attend or you can just get your tickets and go to Weber State Sports I was able to purchase some tickets through um, uh, Weaver State and so Weber State Weekly has two tickets to the entire tournament should you want to use them you let us know send us DM uh, we Glad to send those over to you uh, and so that you can get out there and enjoy the Wildcats. And I won't be there this year, so I won't be jinxing them. Because last time I went and saw the Wildcats at, at uh, Wildcats softball field, they lost to Sac State. So I won't be there to jinx them this year.
4: <laughs>
0: Which will be good. But let's wrap the show up. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Email us at weberstateweekly gmail.com. Grateful to our Patreon supporters, patreon.com slash Weekly and the website, weaverstateweekly.com. Thank you both to you, Jessica, and you, Simon Mortensen, for sticking with me throughout this softball season. Really appreciate you guys. Uh, We'll probably be having at least one more show to kind of talk about the results, and then uh, we'll go from there uh, on postseason play for the Wildcats, whatever happens. So thank you to you both. We'll wrap up the show like we usually do. Weber State, Weber State. Great. 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 (laughs) you. <laughs>